Welcome to the Shinakaba Extracted Podcast. My guest today is Mario Gages. Mario is uh, a mining engineer with two master's degrees, one in mining engineering and the other in environmental management. He's currently finalizing a PhD in energy systems and climate change. Mario currently works for Bear Gore Bay, expanding the company's activities in the Arabian Peninsula. In the past, he was responsible for developing mining and exploration projects in Portugal and parts of Africa with an overall investment of above 35 million euro. Mario also served as Director General for Energy and Geology in Portugal. Mario, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extracted Podcast. Hello, Sheila. Thank you very much for inviting me. Fantastic. So, Mario, what are the main entry barriers for investing in mineral value chains downstream of mining? This is probably a rather difficult uh, answer and it probably doesn't have a really straightforward answer in the sense that when we talk about mining and mineral value chains, we're talking about a group of uh, commodities and each commodity uh, has its, its own specific value chain and which then be, be further enhanced in terms of the complexity and the downstream but I think the first uh, observation that I will have to do on the question is that we don't have to look to mining as one single industry in terms of the value chains. I think we have to speak about a multitude of, of uh, downstream value chains. So I think this is the way that we have to look at it because we have commodities like copper, which have a typical, pretty much stabilized and well-known uh, value, value chain. And then you have another multitude. If you look to the uh, periodic table, probably you'll see uh, more or less uh, how many value chains we'll be having uh, in, in terms of the mining. So this is the first uh, the first aspect that I think we should uh, think about when, when looking at this. Hmm. So you speak of the periodic table. Of course, the periodic table, if I remember from my high school, uh, categorizes uh, these uh, chemical substances, which when treated uh, become metals when we refine them. My question is, is it then perhaps more logical, Mario, to think of categories of minerals? For instance, thinking of them as rare earths, thinking of them as gemstones, thinking of them as base metals, or thinking of them as industrial uh, minerals. It, it Would it be more easier if we broke uh, mining into these logical categories when we think of downstream? Uh, absolutely. I think this is the correct way. Uh, this is the correct way how to do an approach. And even though we're creating these subdivisions of markets, uh, you, have to, you, ha you have to remember that even inside of them, they have different value chains. Uh, going back to the gemstone, which is one which is rather typical, we know that the market for, let's say, uh, uh, diamonds uh, ends up by being slightly different and the value chains tends to be slightly different of other gemstones uh, or semi-precious precious stones. So this is the way that we have to look, in, uh, look into it. Uh, think about groups and even though 
going for instance rare earths people think rare earths it's a sold a whole sing, a single a single value chain no no there are a lot of rare earths some of them have definitely good and important uh, value others the value it's all ends up by being marginal so I think you have said something that is very important, uh, Mario, which is to remind the Sheila Kamer Extractive Podcast followers and others that uh, while mining conceptually, at least upstream, might seem like a single uh, industry, as you go downstream, uh, you evolve very many different uh, industries with different value chains. And that to say, what the challenges are of entering those markets is too simple because it varies from industry to industry. But you're also saying that if one wants to generalize, uh, proximity to markets uh, is one of the more challenging uh, aspects, but also that in those spaces, some industries are dominated by big players and being able to enter that space, which is dominated by others, can also be quite dif difficult. Have I summarized it correctly, Mario? Yes, absolutely. A absolutely. Uh, right. This so, is exactly what to, yeah. So in, in view of that, if countries want to move uh, downstream, you are in uh, the Arabian Peninsula now, and we see for instance, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia are uh, wanting very much to move into the mining space. How? What is it that countries that are entering this space, what is it that they should particularly do to increase chances of them succeeding in adding value to minerals? I think we've got... Uh... I'm trying to use the Arabian Peninsula as an example, uh, although it's not a formula that would work uh, or in countries around the world. But one of them would be the access to the commodities. Um, you can have access to the commodities by buying another place in the world and then installing um, the downstream uh, on the country that you want to develop. I think one of the most important things, and or let's call it the most traditional ways to do it, is to get good access and develop the mining industry itself. So, uh, what countries should start by doing it? Open up the market in terms of the um, of the mining industry itself, and and start regulating the market uh, correctly. So, it's rather important for us to have a, a stable legal frame. Without a legal, uh, stable legal framework, I think investors tend to get scary and tend to go away and to search for other other markets or to diminish uh, the uh, the their availability in terms of in investing in, in the in the country. So the legal framework is always uh, it's always really really important because it's also related with other with another important aspect which is political risk. And political risk, it's not only things that po po uh, politics and things that happen in the country and between the uh, different countries, it's more has, has to do more with the issues which are related with the legal framework. So I think this is the first step, to so have a stable, open um, legal framework 
and at the same time has to be easy understandable and has to be according to the normal investors will be uh, uh, expecting so i think this is the key uh, uh, the key aspect in in uh, in uh, all all of this is to have the, the legal framework is really really important because without legal framework you cannot attract the investment the the technical know-how the the financial know-how the commercial know-how and all the know-how which are, are mandatory to develop a downstream so i think this is the first thing where you should start mm -hmm. so um i mean we 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 uh, you are right, the uh, Arabian Peninsula is not particularly known for uh, minerals. And, and that is why for me it is interesting because uh, if uh, the Arabian Peninsula countries succeed in uh, value adding minerals, then that shows that mineral endowment alone is not uh, a, a panacea. But I want to ask you a question. If you think about the fact that the Arabian Peninsula, many of the countries there have one distinct advantage, which is that uh, they have a lot of, uh, shall we say, access to finance and, and they can attract and develop infrastructure and do other things that emerging market countries that are poorer are not able to do. Do you think that might make the challenges that normally face countries wanting to value it a little less uh, onerous on them than would traditionally be the case? I, I don't know if I absolutely agree with you. In the sense that uh, the, the Arabian Peninsula, it's easy to get uh, access to investment. And this is uh, pretty much obvious because there are uh, companies and there are investors located here which are willing to invest in the sector. The thing, the thing is, I think this is this is not not this is not the secret of the of the success here. Uh, I think the secret of the success will always be once again the fact that we have a legal a legal framework which which is stable. So when investors come, they feel comfortable and they feel pretty much aware that the investment that they're doing legally. Um, it's safe. I think this is something uh, really important. And of course, all this, uh, this uh, the Arabia Peninsula has a lot of other advantages. So it's very difficult for a, a country, let's say, which is situated in the center of Africa, which has no access to sea and has uh, issues with um, with infrastructure to compete. With the with this uh, with a region like this, but this is this is how it how it goes always in terms of strategy. We have to look for the things uh, for the good things that we have, and to try to minimize the uh, 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 our weak weak spots. There's also one other thing which is really important that also the Arabia Peninsula has been working, and especially Saudi Arabia, which has to do with the resource and has to do with geology. Uh, we know that some countries have, not all countries have the same geology, all, uh, but much more than that, many countries don't lack uh, a wealthy geology in terms of commodities and, and, and also in terms of size. Uh, 
Um, this is something that Saudi Arabia is currently doing, which is investing a lot and especially inside of, from the side of the government, government uh, investing in the basic uh, exploration. When I'm so talking about basic exploration, we're talking about activities done by the, by, by, by the government that goes on mapping, that goes on doing geological surveys, uh, geological mapping, all this kind, of, doing all these kinds of investments. So, I would say trying, and this is the fact that I com completely, probably don't agree completely with your with your um, with your remark, is that uh, it's difficult for countries to compete and to have access to many of the things that uh, uh, the Arabian Peninsula have. Uh, but also remember that probably the the most the most important item is the, 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 the legal and political stability of the region. Mm. So one of the areas that very successfully process minerals and fabricate uh, component parts and for industry and uh, consumer markets is uh, Southeast Asia, Korea, Japan, Indochina, etc. What are some of the lessons that emerging market countries that want to enter into mineral value addition can learn from the successes of this uh, region in the Asian Far East? I think they can really learn a lot. And you're, uh, you were talking about Southeast Asia, and, and probably we'll be talking about some countries which, in terms of mining, are not, let's call it, not so, so, so blessed. Um, but nevertheless, they have a really, uh, uh, really important uh, presence in, in, ma in many of the downstreams. I think one of the most interesting uh, countries probably will be Korea. South Korea. Uh, I've been reading, and something I read. I read something like something like this in the in the fifties of the of the of the twentieth century. Korea had an approximately uh, uh, GDP per capita, which would be something like uh, similar to what would be now Ghana or uh, or a similar country. And now we look at after 70 years, we look to Korea and it's a completely different in terms of the, 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 the wealth. So this comes as an example, and I think many of the other regions around the world should see what South Korea done in terms of, uh, in terms of its formula to develop the, its economy and the presence in, in, the, in all the value chains of the, of the, of the of, of commodities. Um, Probably once again, I'll be starting going back to this to the first one. Uh, Korea is not a country which is typically pretty much blessed by geology. It has some interesting geology, has some interesting commodities, but it was able to establish their uh, whole value chain on different on different uh, metals and minerals, which uh, were able to compensate the the, the the disadvantage that it had in terms of geology. And also in terms of the capacity to have local investment, so they were able to attract local investment. And this goes back to the first thing, which has to has to do with the trust. I once had one 
one Canadian uh, inv investor who was always telling me, I will only invest or we will only invest in a country which I found it suitable and that I would feel comfortable to go there on holidays. And this has to do with the, with the, with the, the low risk. And the low risk, it's not only the political, it's also the social. It goes up even to the, to the physical, let's call it human, our personal uh, way that we feel in this kind of region. So I think this is uh, one of the, um, one of the good examples that we should, uh, other countries could, not should, could look as a, as a, as a way out. Hmm. That's interesting because you are right. Uh, when you invest, you import different forms of risk. There is financial risk, which is the risk that you may not reap the financial rewards or, or be able to repatriate the rewards if you reap them. The second one is uh, security of tenure if you are a mining company, which has to do with the law and its stability. And then the third one is that you, you buy property, you own property, you want that property to be safe uh, and secured and your rights to it secured. And then of course you hire people, uh, you engage in business, you travel there back and forth. You also want to be personally secured and your employees. And, and when, people, when people don't feel safe personally, they are not likely to want to be working in that place or be employed, and then you can't attract uh, capital. And I think some mineral-rich countries forget that. It's not enough to be mineral-rich. You must also provide these assurances, and that unless you can do so the same way that uh, Korea and others have succeeded to do so, then uh, you are on the losing end. But I want to... Uh, We've been talking about this from a country perspective. Let's try and look at the challenges that face investors wanting to enter the mineral processing uh, value chain and produce metals that may be new players themselves and are not established like say the Mitsui and, and uh, Mitsubishi's of this world. What do such investors uh, have to grapple with to be able to enter those uh, markets, uh, Mario. Once, once, once again, it's difficult to give a completely, um, completely generalized answer to all the all of the all of the the different mining, let's call it mining value chains that we have. But um, the the first one will always be the know-how. And know how it's the most it's the most important it's the most important thing because without know how we will not be able competitive be competitive and this is a, a good way to enter into a new market or to enter a new value chain of a commodity it's to be able to 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 navigate uh, through uh, with tech, with all the, te the technical information of a, of a certain commodity. So specialization will be one of the answers to um, to try to enter into some of this other outside uh, mineral value. It's the know-how, and then you have the typical ones, which is the access to finance, which is always critical. 
uh, that will absolutely uh, affect the rest. But I would say even the, the, the know-how will always be the most difficult one because it's the, the one that depends on people. Managing people and deal with people, it's always difficult, as we know. Then in terms of, uh, if you go into another uh, stage, into another, into another view, uh, then we'll be entering into issues like uh, infrastructure, uh, issues like uh, market, understanding the markets, um, being able to go through and to enter markets, which can be already more or less uh, stabilized with key with key consumers and key producers, more or less uh, more or less stable, which tend not to be accepting new players in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the special market. So uh, this is a, this is another uh, this would be another aspect, and then you can keep on continuing, and then you have the environmental aspects or the environmental challenges, um, the technical. Which also could be taking taking shape uh, a whole set of risks that uh, and obstacles that uh, the investor would have will have to face. But coming back again, I think uh, the know how, the technical know how, will always be the the one which is key. So I'm intrigued, Mario, that you say the technical know how is key. What if I said to you that sure? Technical know-how is key, but you can buy technology. Uh, is is much of the technology proprietary, or or can this technology not be procured? So, in other words, why are you singling out technology in a world in which I think naively that you can just buy technology? I think I think yes, you can buy technology, but then you need to operate technology, and you need to put it in place, and and everything could be a success. And it would could absolutely work out fine. There's a, there's always there's a, but you have to remember that if you don't hold the, on this know-how, you probably be adding another risk, which will be depending from the provider of this technology. So once again, this depends. If we're talking about technology, and it depends of the of the market that we're talking about. If we're talking about iron ore, or if we're talking about copper. I think that even if there is uh, the propri proprietary uh, technology, you can buy it. You have access to it. You have diff to different to several providers of this te of different technologies that which are able to accomplish what is expected or what is the objective. But once again, if you go back into some specific and more let's call it niche I, I don't like the word niche but let's call it niche for a, a better a better explanation if you go there uh, then then the, the number of suppliers of the technology will be much smaller and some of them will could be talking about almost black box technologies and and you the investor will be basically uh, dependent of this um, of this of this service provider let's call it service provider uh, I always tend to think that if you're doing something, you have to be, you have to know what you're doing, and you have to deal with the obstacles and the uh, the accidents that happen through the way. So you need to have your own. You need to do, uh, dominate completely the process of of, of, 
of production of what you're uh, doing. Otherwise, I think uh, tends not to be organic, and I like things to be organic in, in terms of the way that I see this. Hmm. And also, this also has to do with risk. Hmm. This this answer, Mario, is fascinating. I'll tell you why. It's fascinating on two accounts. First, it goes back to your very first response, which is to say, Sheila, don't oversimplify things and, and talk of mirror value chains because you're talking of several industries. And, and, and here you are saying, in some industries, technology is open uh, at some level because if you wish, there's a certain commonality and companies don't compete on technology. But you're also saying in certain minerals, depending on that uh, type of industry, technology is proprietary and the players there control it because that's how they compete. And here, I'm reminded having worked for De Beers that uh, the mining company is one of the companies that not only innovates, but controls its own technology. And so if you wanted to enter that market, you wouldn't really be competing with a mining company. You would be competing with a technology company, though you did, you wouldn't know. But if you wanted to just process iron ore, that might be different. I think this is a very important uh, uh, nuance that most people don't understand. The second thing that I like very much, Mario, in what you say is that, sure, you can buy technology. But can you have control and be a master of your own destiny? If you are just buying it from somebody, what happens when it breaks? What happens if they decide they, they are not in that business any longer? What happens if they don't offer the service or the service is not good? Then you are vulnerable. So I think it's a very important reminder that it's not enough just to invest. You must, in effect, look forward and to manage risk. You must know that you can uh, respond to any eventuality. I have to say, I like that very much because I think uh, most of us forget uh, these factors. But I have one last question uh, for you, uh, Mario. And my question is this. Um, you know, you started by saying these commodities are different. You also emphasize the importance of laws. Are you suggesting therefore that when we, when governments contemplate laws for value addition, that they should have laws that are specific to each mineral, or is it enough to have a generic law that uh, seeks to attract investment in downstream across all minerals? Once again, this is a, there's no straight answer to that question. I think, I think the way that I see things, probably this is not very popular in some areas around the world, and there are a lot of people which don't agree with me, I think we sh the way that uh, governments co uh, convince uh, companies and investors to keep um, their value chain next to the next to the site in which they're producing, it's not by creating barriers. I think it's the other way. It's by creating incentives. Let me give you an uh, let me give you an example. I think laws should be open because they need to be really easily understandable by everyone. So on this on this sense, they should not should have the regulation and the regulatory aspects, which are typical of the region uh, that we're talking about, and should be similar to all of them. Then you can have some special uh, regulation for some specific markets, depending on each country. Regarding the the in terms of laws, how you should and how you could 
uh, avoid that country which is producing copper is only ex exporting uh, copper copper ore and not doing the whole value chain of copper uh, in the country the way it should be is by incentives because investors would for them it's quite easy you have the mine there uh, you just build a black plant there apparently it's they will always prefer this why they don't do it many in many aspects comes of the risk comes has to do with the risk or probably don't have has the also the economics behind that the way that you should incentivize uh, government should incentivize it could be by doing simple uh, measures like diminishing the the the, the royalties if the commodity is uh, will be used in in, in the country, other uh, I think should be always in terms of incentives and not by creating barriers. But because normally what barriers do, they 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 um, they disincentivize uh, investment. Fantastic. Well, Mario, thank you very much for joining the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. That was well and truly fascinating. Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you, thank you very much. It was a pleasure uh, talking with you.